0: Welcome to Dr. Lottie, Science with Soul. I'm Dr. Lottie and the host of this podcast. I'm a physician, medical intuitive, evidential psychic medium, international keynote speaker, and author of Med School After Menopause, The Journey of My Soul, an inspirational story about transformation, healing, and spirituality, which won first place in the category of Spiritual Leadership in August 2021 from Living Now Book Awards. This award recognizes truly world-changing books that contribute to positive global change. The inspiration for this podcast came from my own life experiences. As I have journeyed through life, it has taught me that we're part of a greater divine web of interconnectedness. I have walked the path of illness, healing, and transformation. After two near-death experiences, I became clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient and was guided to attend medical school at the age of 54. We will be meeting with many different types of doctors, healers, as well as spiritual leaders, educators, and other inspiring souls in this podcast. It is my hope that you will gain information and create a path to healing your own life physically, emotionally, and spiritually and bridge the gap between science and soul. If you are a person who understands the interconnectedness of mind, body, and soul, and would like to take one of my courses or work with me to create a path of healing your own life, please visit DivineSpiritualEssence.com or DrLottie.com. To stay up to date on future episodes and to help us reach a larger audience, remember to subscribe, review, and share this podcast, as well as subscribing to my newsletter at DivineSpiritualEssence.com. Welcome to Dr. Lottie's Science with Soul. I'm Dr. Lottie and the host of this podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce Jesse Brizendine. Award-winning speaker and best-selling author, Jesse Brizendine, is a world-renowned expert who works with individuals and organizations to move beyond their limitations, unlock their greatness, and build their Camelot. Business leaders, Hollywood celebrities, entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, medical professionals, and educators have utilized Jesse's services to reduce stress increase productivity, improve organizational communication, enhance company culture, build thriving businesses, and live fulfilling lives. Jesse is a big fan of buffets, professional wrestling, and finding the silver lining in any situation. So welcome, Jesse. I'm delighted to have you as a guest today.
1: Oh, Ladi, so good to see you again, and so great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So I know you've done a lot of things. You were going to talk about, you wrote a book, you did a TED talk, and you went into working as a life coach, public speaker, in order to help other people excel and move beyond their limitations. What led you to this work?
1: I, you know, like many of us, I think we're, I think we all have the opportunity in life to be our own first case study. I think that Purpose for many of us is found in one of two places ultimate pain or ultimate pleasure. And I think that for many of us, if we have the opportunity to really do our own inner work, and often as we dig and go through the layers, it leads us down that path of purpose. Mine was very similar to that, where it was going in and working on myself and uncovering, you know, where I need to work on me, kind of unshackling myself to some of my limiting beliefs and what had held me back for so long. And as I started to peel more of my layers back, I realized how much it changed, how I felt mentally and emotionally. And I thought, gosh, wouldn't this be incredible to be able to start teaching this and helping other people with this. My whole professional life since college has literally been one transition to the next of taking that to scale in the sense of finding ways that I could that I was doing the inner work on myself and then taking that and sharing it with other people and helping them do the inner work on themselves or with companies and organizations too.
0: And what type of problems or issues do people come to you if they work one-on-one? What is something that people need help with on a typical basis?
1: You know, a lot of the folks who come to me one on one right now are in this really interesting time in their life where they are, looking to play the the fulfillment game. They've achieved a certain level of success. They've dotted all the I's. They've crossed all the T's. They followed the path that was laid out in front of them. They worked hard, sacrificed, put in their time, did everything that they thought they were supposed to, You know, got the house, got the picket fence, got the family, got all those things. And the one thing they don't have is they don't have the the level of happiness and fulfillment that they thought they should have at this point. They are driven but that drive that has always driven them before it seems a little unsatisfying less satisfying than it used to be simply because they've they've accumulated the stuff and they're realizing that the stuff is not bringing them the substance that they really want you know they've they've satisfied those basic human needs of survival and food and shelters taken care of in abundance so that's where they're at in their life is they're looking at what is kind of the whole point of this for me? What's the bigger part I can play in the world? How can I be more fulfilled or what is fulfillment really look like to me? How can I bring more joy, happiness, love into my life? And those are the things that people are, it's kind of like the second, I call it the almost the second life. The first life is the life that you were, you li- the first life is a life you live because it's the life you were told you were supposed to live. And it's the life you believe you needed to live. And now the second life is the life that you want to live. And it's the one that's really going to bring meaning and fulfillment to your life.
0: Yeah, and we talked a little bit about how, before we started this podcast, about being shackled to the belief system of other people.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of folks, unfortunately, leave a lot on the table in terms of the potential for love, joy, and happiness that they can experience in life, simply because they live their life in accordance with what they think they need or should do, based off of what they assume or perceive someone else is thinking about them. That's the real rub of the whole thing, right? Is most of it is not in concrete. It's all these assumptions going around that we don't even test. I know you have a you have a heavy science background. And what is it always the whole thing with the hypothesis, right? Is it's just a a theory. It's just a question. And we have to go test and test and test and retest and, and look at different variables and test those until we actually get to where we would have conclusion. We can present our evidence. Well, humans, we don't do that. We get a fleeting thought in our head that's based off of a fine, fine amount of information that's available. And it's usually an assumption based off someone else is what we think their perception of us is. We never necessarily ask. And then when we ask, we don't usually ask the circumstances or you know, any of the things that go into the background of that. And then we just start marching on in our life like that. And we do or we don't do things because we think that we should or shouldn't based off of what we assume others are thinking about us. And the tragedy of that is, is there's so much that's left on the table because we're never really then acting in accordance with who we are, what we really want we never get to those tapping into the desires of the heart because we're handicapped by the thoughts of the head. You know, we never really get to search for what our soul's meaning is what's going to set our soul on fire because instead we're shackled by the mentality of what we think others think of us or what we think of ourselves. You know, they say, what is it? The average person thinks 40 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And of those between 70 to 80% of them are quote unquote negative. So, you shoot in the middle 40 to 80, that's 60,000, 80% of 60,000. That's a lot of stinking thinking that we do each and every day. And that also to me suggests there's so much room for improvement and there's so much, so much room for possibility for us to really enhance and build on our life.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's, I mean, it's to bring that to people to be able to help them to, to find. Um, that true essence of themselves to live happy, fulfilling lives. Um, Such a great journey. Um, And I want to ask you a little bit about, I know you did a Ted talk and can you uh, tell the audience what led you to do that? What is a Ted talk about and what led you to do the Ted talk?
1: Yeah. The Ted talk is called grief is not a life sentence. And this was one of those things that I did because I felt it was what I was meant to do. And, you know, Many people, it's funny, when you first start to go down that path, people would ask, well, why are you using the platform like TED to talk about grief? That doesn't seem like it's your kind of what you do in your day-to-day work. But I had gone through a series of, of personal losses. And the first loss was, the first significant one was kind of what I would call the loss of innocence. It was just, you realize the world isn't how you thought it was going to be. The second one was a shock. It was, it was the one that really rocks you to the core. But, and the third one, it's not to say it didn't do all those things, but what it did is I'd gone through the, the depths of pain and despair and grief enough where the feelings were no longer unfamiliar to me. I think one of the challenging parts with loss is the emotional intensity that comes with it. You know, human beings, we, we often measure comfort based off of familiarity. And so we are creatures of contrast, right? When food is really good, it's really, really good. And when it doesn't measure up quite to that really, really good mark, we we can all remember our favorite lasagna we ever had. And then we can also think of the lasagna that we've had that never measures quite up to that. Well, you think of your human emotional experience as as a batch of the best lasagna you've ever had, or the worst lasagna you've ever had. Our intense emotions, the ones that we don't necessarily have as our baseline every day, grief, despair, anger, at least we hope we don't. When they come up and they have such a intense peace, it all of a sudden it stands out, right? We often remember we experience based off of emotion. And for me, I'd gotten to this place where those intense feelings that would come with the grief, the sadness, the anger, despair, the they weren't so unfamiliar they were expected. I was, they were kind of like this unwanted house guest, but I knew I could survive with them. And because I had that comfort, I found myself in a place where I was able to start asking questions instead of making assumptions. I was able to start allowing my curiosity to guide me instead of allowing my, my labeling to sentence me. And what I mean by that is when you're in the throes of those emotions, you often say things like, I'm so depressed. Well, if you think about that, you're taking a stamp and you're putting it on yourself. You're, you're, you're identifying in some way with that emotion. I am depressed versus separating it and saying, I feel acknowledging it as a feeling. I, I feel so much grief. I feel grief right now. How can I shift that grief to something else? What would I like to feel instead? And there's a really interesting thing that happens with that curiosity. So as I got more curious about the human emotional experience around these intense things like loss and going through those the heartbreaks of life we go through i started to really come up with some strategies that helped me heal i started to teach it to other people and it was really helpful to them and i was thinking gosh you know i don't hear a lot of people talking about this i don't see it in books i'm not seeing it online at all this is not something that should just be you know, shared with a few people, This just something that should be shared to everybody. Everybody's going to go through those challenging emotional experiences, and therefore everybody should have access to that information, those resources. And TED was just a—it was an incredible platform to share ideas and to get it out there to the broader audience. And I was so fortunate to be able to have the opportunity to do the TED Talk, and they were willing to give me that platform and, and be able to share that out with other people now.
0: And what was that like trying to get, uh, trying to land a TED talk? Is that some complicated procedure or is it, is it easy or does it take a while to to Yeah, it
1: definitely took a while. I always say it took me five years to get the first one because I thought about it every day for five years. Every day for five years, I would, I would kind of visualize and see myself standing in the red circle and I had made it a goal for a long time. But the effort I would put into it wasn't quite what it needed to be. You know, I would submit an application and, and write in and it would get re- it would get rejected. And then I'd be, oh, well, that's it. You know, not giving up. But I think the TED Talk came to fruition just like any goal does. It happens when we decide that we're really going to go on and make it happen. And, and the one year I decided, you know what, I believe in this message enough. I feel like the time is right. I need to go all on and make this happen. And I did, I just I focused on it, I made it a goal. I put took daily steps, devoted time every day. And it was from so from the time I started applying to when I actually walked on stage and gave the talk, I would say it was about an eight to nine month process. And some people might be a little shorter, some people might be all, all, some people will get invited to it. And so if you're invited, you know, might that might accelerate a little bit more. But it's it's a it's a time intensive it's a time intensive investment and it's one that it is, it's so worth it. If you're really, for at least me, you're really doing it with the intention to honor the Ted mission, to have share an idea we're spreading.
0: I love it. I love the fact that you didn't give up either when you got rejected and it just, it just says so much to all the people out there that are trying to do something or, or change something or go in a different direction. Don't give up just because, yeah. You got one rejection. You said, no, this is it. I'm going to do this and I'm going to every day devote some time to it and keep going. And so that's just, you know, it's just a, so inspiring for other people to hear, uh, you know, that you did it, you succeeded, you got that Ted talk. And now all these other people are helped from that. So Yeah, it
1: is. It's, it's that resilience thing. You know, we, we, the more we persist in anything in life, the better we're going to get at it. You think about it, we can all probably remember, or if we can't remember our own journey, we can remember maybe teaching our children, or at least we know a kid who learned how to tie their shoes and how difficult it was the first time. I can remember vividly as a little kid trying to tie tie my shoes and how hard it was. And there was one day I just sat and was like, kept at it, kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And eventually they tied. And now we don't even have to think about it, right? We can tie our shoes while we're, talking to somebody. But there was a time where we really had to devote a tremendous amount of focus and energy and persistence to work at tying our shoes. And so it's the same with anything we do. Most of the stuff that's unconscious for us now, brushing our teeth, combing our hair, getting dressed, tying our shoes. At one point, we had to really put a lot of intentional focus and energy on becoming masterful at that. So I think that's to your point, not giving up. And it's also to the point that All of us have a blueprint for success that's tattooed into the recesses of our unconscious mind. We just don't think of it that way because we've become so, it's become so normalized in our day-to-day life, but normal things, brushing our teeth, combing our hair, driving, tying our shoes, walking, you know, all those things at one time, they were very challenging and difficult tasks that we had to work really hard to become successful at doing it so much so that we've become masterful at it. I don't know about everybody with driving. I've seen some drivers on the road who definitely aren't masterful at it. And so if we just, if we take that same discipline we've already, we've already developed from these other habits and we apply it to something we want to learn, we'll get there. We we, we definitely will get there.
0: Oh, that's, it's great advice. Um, And it makes me think of all the people, you know, that are chronically sick and how they used to take everything for granted walking to the store or bending over tying their shoes. It was something they used to be able to do on a daily basis, but now all of a sudden something happened and now they have this disease or they're chronically sick and all these things that were just part of their life. They just did it without thinking. Um, now is a blessing if they get to do it again. And yeah. yeah, we, and we forget that when we, when we live our daily lives, um, we take it for granted that reading on the computer or driving a car or going to the store, but there are many people that can't for whatever problem they're facing right now. Um, but then, so you did this TED Talk, and so you brought your knowledge and experience to um, many people that needed needed that guidance. But then you also wrote a book, and the title of your book is Ouch, My Heart is Broken. Heartbreak Survival Guide. Can you tell us a little bit about the book?
1: Yeah, that book was, you know, it's really interesting with that book. That was another thing I did that I did because it was, it felt like it was what I I wanted to do, I needed to do. And it's it's so interesting looking back over that writing at that time in my life and where I'm at now, because uh, many of the ways of how I think has evolved and grown. But I wrote it from a very raw and vulnerable place. It was, it was something that I was feeling. And what had happened at the time is I had gone through my first significant breakup, my first broken heart. And again, emotional unfamiliarity. So I had these intense feelings of grief, sorrow, despair, depression coming up. I didn't know what to do with them or how to process them. And I, I got to this place where I had a question. And I, it just made so much sense to me that I couldn't be the only person feeling this way. When you go on at the time, you go on and Google, this was back in 2007. There was not a lot of stuff out there about men talking about how they felt. There was, there was many things and resources for women, but it just was still not very manly for guys to be heartbroken because we're supposed to go out and get drunk and jump into bed with somebody else. We're not supposed to be in the feelings and going through that stuff. So I started to really get curious about why is it I'm feeling? And then wondering if there's other people out there. And if there is, and nobody else is sharing it, why don't I share my experience? So I started sharing my experience over and over and putting it out there. And I created this uh, kind of, it was, it's kind of a website kind of wasn't, I, I did, it was my first thing I'd ever put out there really online. But what was really amazing is as I started to share that story, I would have people write in and talk to me about how that story impacted them. And I'll never forget this one person I told only two people I was doing this because I wanted to have a sense of anonymity am- with it. And I posted the website. had no idea if anybody was ever going to see it, come across it. If they were, I didn't know how they were going to find it. About three days after I'd posted, I get an email and it was from this guy named Jimmy and Jimmy wrote to me. And he said that he had gone through, you know, he had this love story of this woman that he had met in high school. They were together, moved apart. 20 years goes by however long. They end up coming back in each other's lives. They have this amazing relationship for about two years and something happens and they're separated. And he's in such a dark place that he's gone to therapy, he's tried counseling, he's gone to all these things and he started to make plans to end his life because he felt like nobody understood what he was going through. And he said to me, he said, somehow I came across your website. And it was for the first time in my life that I felt like somebody got it, somebody understood that I was no longer alone in what I was feeling. And I'm, he said to me, he said, you know, you I just want you to know you not only helped me, but you, you saved my life. I remember calling up a friend of mine who I told about that. I said, Oh my God, you're not gonna believe this. She was driving, she had to pull over to the side of the road because she was crying, I was crying. About two years after that email, I got another email from Jimmy saying that he had met a new person. They were, they were three months pregnant with their first child. I hold a fond place in my heart for that because we sometimes withhold the most precious parts of ourselves that we have to help and support other people. And those precious parts are the human experience we live in a time and a life where we often are trying to make our lives like highlight reels of life. we, we can filter everything out. We can every, you know, filter, 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 we can Photoshop it, everything else just to present this super polished and perfect image of ourselves. When the reality is, is it's often in life. I think it's the messy parts that are where they make the most miracles because it's in the messy parts that we can connect, we can understand, we can see one, we can see the other person, we can realize that, wow, if if that person can go through the muck and the mud, if they can go through their own version of hell and they can get to where they are, boy, if they can do that, I can too. And so that was really what led to that book is it, I felt like it was important to share where I was at that time, that real raw vulnerable space, and, and then what I was doing through that journey to help me heal.
0: Wow. That's such a beautiful story. Uh, I mean, literally you, you saved this person's life and think about how many other people that you reached either by your Ted talk or with your book and they might not have written you, but that ripple effect that you're having with this book and what you're doing, you know, is is creating healing for so many people out there.
1: Yeah. And yeah. even
0: the ones that, you know, you don't hear about that you'll hear about when you go to the spirit world yourself someday and you get to have a little life review of all the people that you affected. But um, it is such a wonderful story because I think many times people forget that they forget the impact they have on other people just by being them and their unique selves and just interacting with other people. And. Um, like holding up the door for someone or giving someone a compliment, uh, anything, any gestures like that and how, you know, all these things help people uh, dealing with their difficulties. And I just, I just love your story and, and how he found you. He's like, he was guided to, to learn about you.
1: And what you said, like that the unique self, it's such an important piece. I want to make sure people really heard what you're saying that unique self are who we are, the essence of who we are, our heart, our soul, there is an emotional capital that comes with us really being and leaning into that, that it's unquantifiable in terms of the impact it can have on the life of another person. I wrote that book. I put that website up before I was really ever into social media and had any sort of a, you know, following or any of those types of things. And when I first started that website and did that whole process, It was all completely anonymous. I kept it anonymous. I had a a pseudonym on there. When a few, gosh, gosh, how long was this? Maybe four years or so later on, I had somebody. I started to get a social media presence. Had you know people following. One day I get an email from a lady, and she says to me, she says, you know, I hope you don't take this weird. I really enjoy following you on social media. It's been great. I'm learning so much. And did you by chance? Make this website called Ouch, My Heart is Broken. And I said, oh, Why do you ask? <laughs> and she said, Well, I, I came across it. So she's a school teacher and she does a lot of reviewing student essays. And so she's very really familiar with picking up on people's writing styles. She said, I came across it. And as I reading, I was reading it, she said it reads very much like you. And it just seemed like it was too strange. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, it's such a cool compliment because even though I was in this really raw and vulnerable place at this time, what really came through was me. And now she could see me, she could connect with me how many years later when I'm in this really happy place, I'm teaching this whole different approach, this whole different focus on life, but she could see me. There is my true self was, was present in both the pain and in the purpose and the hardship and in the happiness too.
0: Wow. And so let's go back to um, the book. Um, in this book, how can people, um, what would you say is the biggest thing that the biggest message in your book for the people? Like, why should people read the book? How could it, how could it help them?
1: I think, that book was always intended to be a guide it was intended to be a companion on somebody's journey out of the dark and into the light and i would suggest that and that was who it was written for is people who are going through trying and difficult times who have lost someone whether it's through death or an end of a relationship i use loss when i talk about loss interchangeably I, i don't I don't measure emotional significance that way because there's been times after a breakup, I have felt grief and despair at the same intensity that I have after I've lost somebody to death or I've had some sort of really heartbreaking thing happen professionally because all of a sudden my identity comes up with that and who I am and this thing I'm deeply passionate about. So I would say that to that. And I say that to give people permission to just honor where they are. Sometimes we hold back and we, we bury our own pain. We don't acknowledge what we're really going through because we live in a world where we, we quantify and qualify. Who am I to be this sad? when Lottie's gone through so much worse than I have. Who am I to be this happy when so many people don't have it as good as me? And so we suppress emotion to again, try to accommodate others. What I've encouraged anybody who's really in a place where they're looking for a guide, a companion to kind of help them out of some of the darker places in life. This is a great resource for it. It's a great thing that's going to give you some practical tips and tools, some simple strategies you can implement. And if you do a couple of them, you do one of them, and then you just keep building and building and building. It, it will help you. It will help guide you. It's not a miracle. It's not a cure all. It's meant to be a breadcrumb that you follow each and every day. And as you keep following more and more breadcrumbs, it will eventually lead you out of the dark and towards the light.
0: I love that advice. And I love how you talk about that, uh, you know, losing someone through death, but even breakups in relationships can put you in that same dark spot. And like the person who contacted you and he was ready to end his own life. And, and now, you know, three years later, he was in a relationship and everything was great. And it's just a matter of Finding those tools that can help you get through those darker moments of life. And, like I always tell people, life is like a roller coaster. And when you're down in that valley, right, you got to climb back up that next hill and it'll seem like forever. And you're wondering if you can get yourself out of that darkness. But there are tools, and your book um, is a great one for helping people that are in that dark spot right now go and check out his book and get yourself out of that because three years from now, your life is going to look very different and you might be the happiest person you've ever been, but you got to dig yourself out of that spot you're in right now. Um, But then you also created a podcast and it's called A Handful of Hope. And can you tell us a little bit about your podcast?
1: Yeah, I had never intended to be a podcaster never thought I would be. This all came about because last March, you'll all remember in March of 2020, when the world went on lockdown and people were panicking and worried because two weeks seemed like it was going to be such a long time. How are we going to get a buy on two weeks without, you know, doing our normal routines and having life disrupted in such a massive way? I thought, well, wouldn't it be great that I could get some people in my network and just interview them and post an interview every day over the two weeks where it could give people some tools and again guidance and tips to help them navigate through it we start talking about everything about working through stress anxiety to how you could really maximize cleaning up your physical space all these types of things that seem relevant to those two weeks well a few things happen number one Obviously, the two weeks that we thought we were going to be locked down wasn't <laughs> wasn't quite in the in the right ballpark as we're still going through some of that. But number two, I really enjoyed meeting and talking with people. It was just such a joy to meet some of the people who I was coming across, and you know, hearing people's stories from all over the world. I committed to keep posting on a daily basis, and I sustained that for the first, gosh, from March of last year 2020 until probably July of 2020 I was posting a podcast episode seven days a week and then I finally scaled it back to five days a week and then three days a week two days a week and then you know it's just doing it about once a week right now but it was that was it it was just again it was that intention to help people and asking the question like you know how can I help what can I contribute here I think so many of us have it on our hearts, and you had asked me earlier about the types of people who come and work with me now, and I was saying that a lot of them are, for the one-on-one coaching, they're in that place where they're looking for fulfillment and purpose. Inevitably, what comes to people in both those spaces, what is a piece of their purpose and what leads to some of their greatest fulfillment, is is some ability to contribute meaningfully to their life and to the lives of others, to be able to make a difference in the lives of others, whether it's one or many. And what often holds people back from that is they, they have this desire. You know, I want to help. I want to be able to share. I want to be able to support people. But then they stop themselves with the, well, who am I to help? Or how can I help? Or what am I going to offer during this? Or I can't offer as much as this person. or I can't do as much as that person. The truth is, is we all can. You know, we all have so much to give. We all have so much to share. We have so much to offer to individuals, to the world at large. And all the handful of hope was, is just me honoring that. I had no idea what anything about podcasting. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just knew I wanted to have conversations with people. And I knew that if one or two people listened to it and it was helpful to them, then it was, it was time worthwhile. And that that's really the story of a handful of hope. And now we have, gosh, I don't know, 200 some odd episodes out there or something like that.
0: So uh, it's been such a pleasure to have you as a guest, and we're coming to an end of this podcast. And uh, it's just been a delight to have you as a guest today. Can you please share with the listeners how they can find you, how they can work with you, uh, go to your website, uh, social media platforms, et cetera.
1: Yep, just website. Everything is Jesse 9 You'll just look for me, Google me. I'm on all those major platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Jesse Brizna and you'll find me
0: and I will put his uh, website uh, in the podcast notes as well and if you go to his front page on his website and scroll to the bottom he has direct links from there into Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, his YouTube account where you can also see his TED talk Um, and also information about his book is on his website and you can get the book on Amazon, and are there other platforms as well, or is it mostly Amazon? I think
1: it's on other ones, but I think mostly Amazon.
0: Yeah, and you can just you can just Google it too. You can go to Amazon and and look for the book there as well. So again, Jesse, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today. It's been it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for
1: having me. It's been wonderful to share this time with you.
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Dr. Lottie Science with Soul. To stay up to date on future episodes and to help us reach a larger audience, remember to subscribe, review and share this podcast as well as subscribing to my newsletter at DivineSpiritualEssence.com. If you are a person who understands the interconnectedness of mind, body and soul and would like to take one of my courses or work with me to create a path of healing your own life, please visit DivineSpiritualEssence.com or DrLottie.com. My book, Med School After Menopause, The Journey of My Soul, an inspirational story about transformation, healing, and spirituality, which won first place in the category of spiritual leadership in August 2021 from Living Now Book Awards, is available online at Amazon as well as other online platforms worldwide. If you are a person who understands the interconnectedness of mind, body, and soul and would like to take one of my courses or work with me, To create a path of healing your own life, please visit DivineSpiritualEssence.com or DrLottie.com.